The comments within the following podcast are those of any show hosts and not representative of any company in which the show hosts may represent. Welcome to podcast number 325. This podcast has been practically done for a little bit, but wanted to make sure that I didn't have anything pressing to cover. So with that out of the way, I want to take this opportunity to welcome each and every one of you to the program, and I hope that you enjoy the program. First, DoorDash. I have some thoughts about it. It broke out after the last podcast, or was it during the release of the last podcast? We've had some time to settle down and everybody picked it up. I have my thoughts on it. We have comments from Joseph, short and sweet. We really like to start having comments on the segments, and while this comment was nice to hear, we'd like to be able to receive comments from others about the various segments of the program. Thank you, Joseph, for sending your comments. This month is National Cyber Security Awareness Month, otherwise known as NCSAM. In our third segment, Password Managers and Phone Calls. I cover two items. Very interesting phone calls, saying they're from a company, but yet, we also have to take it a step forward and introduce to those who don't know about them password managers and what they can do for you. Of course, each person is going to be different and we're not going to force people to use any tools. We just want to talk about them and get people interested in them so that maybe they can be better off. My fourth segment talks about chapter three of Scott Schober's latest book and my thoughts on it so a little bit of recollecting of other things as well So that should be that should be very interesting. I'm interested if you've read this book and whether or not you have any thoughts on what you've read. And finally, I'm still working on 15, troublesome 15. My thoughts 
on what I'm starting to understand of what they want on this particular course. But of course, the course lesson doesn't have answers. It's my thoughts, my understanding of what they want on one thing, but yet, I'm a little confused still. And contact information is available at the end of the program. You can find contact information on the blog as well under the pages section. There's a page listing RSS and contact information and other odds and ends. Or just stay tuned to the end of the program where it'll be given here as well. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get started with DoorDash and some thoughts on the technology blog and podcast, podcast number 325. DoorDash was the latest victim, according to tons and tons of reports. This is not something that should surprise us. In fact, even though I've been looking at tweets two to three days old, Dunkin' Donuts even has gotten so far as to have a lawsuit slapped on it. I'm not interested in covering it because I don't really understand it. I read the article for the most part. But this seems to be an everyday occurrence. DoorDash is a relatively new company. I have heard of them, but I've never done business with them. They apparently are a food delivery network similar to Uber Eats, Yelp partnering up with Grubhub, and possibly others that I've missed. Fox Los Angeles was the first opportunity I saw of this, and I blogged about it on the technology blog. I understand that a lot of people, especially those listening to the podcast on Livewire, Uh, may not have computer access, but the news has been all over this. So, what happened? Well, as far as we understand, 4.9 million people were affected with various types of information, although the information taken 
could have been, but not including of, the last four digits of the credit card number or payment info, usernames and salted passwords, uh, and possibly others that I'm not remembering at the moment. You can find plenty of articles and news coverage on this. We are at a time in our lives where everything is online. And I do mean everything. And I know that automated billing systems are going to keep your credit card information. But I honestly don't know how these systems work. I know, for example, Stripe allows people to enter their credit card information to help pay their bills. And I don't believe that they keep that card info, although I did see in my account that I could store it. I'm not completely sure uh, how that works, but I can tell you that at least for me, I do not keep data in databases online. So, that is where we are. So, what can we do? Well, for me, and what I do, I have a database in my note taker for some information, and I also keep stuff on the computer in Dropbox for backup purposes in text files, i.e. the MemV application uh, process stuff from 2009 to today. And uh, that is where we are. And uh, this is going to get interesting because as the podcast evolves, I want to keep people up to date about information like this because DoorDash specifically, while it's based in Los Angeles, does serve a wide 
variety of, of people around the country. But I also want this podcast to be different in that not only are we covering some of the biggest things out there, but we're also trying to be fair in our coverage and only talk about things when they matter. And DoorDash was actually breaking as the last podcast was still being developed. And as I think about it, close to 5 million, which includes some other pieces of information which I wouldn't have expected, like vendor information and other pieces of information that may have not been discussed on this segment. So, I'm definitely a little leery nowadays, not at the fact that these breaches occur, but I'm leery on really the question, how is this happening? You see, we really don't know how the thefts take place. The only real theft we knew about was the Capital One breach. It was known that there was a misconfiguration. Capital One confirmed it. And the fact of the matter is of Paige Thompson, who actually pleaded not guilty, having worked at Amazon shouldn't have mattered because whether there was a misconfiguration or not, Paige Thompson could access anything she wanted. Instead of us worrying necessarily about how much information was taken, and the good news out of this is that they did do the best they could, salting passwords, i.e. making sure it's hard to guess. That's what salting means. And we also have to worry about whether or not the information that is necessary is stored, i.e. is it really necessary to store the whole credit card number or the whole bank account? They only had the last four stored in the database, but yet they were still able to bill when people ordered from them. Now again, I've not used this service, but I do know that I've seen tweets asking for customer service because something didn't go right 
a delivery of some sort, whatever. And I'm sure the company is in a in a lot of turmoil right now in regards to scrambling to get accounts figured out, plus dealing with their customer service day-to-day -day operations. Every major news source in the last few days has covered this. And I even put it out yet again through DLVR. This is a big deal. And I understand it because they do cover a large area of the United States. And I'm curious if you've been affected whether you've had to change your information. I was talking to somebody that basically said if their account representative says to change their card, they're going to change their card. I said, why? I would not change it just because 4.9 million people were affected and you hardly, if ever, use your card. The criminal is going to use the card within days. I'm recording this on Monday, September 30th, and this story broke the week of the 28th. And I can tell you that within the first two days, the criminals would have gone ape. So, since they probably haven't used the information yet, I think you're fine. But if they feel that you may be a threat, you know, there may be a problem, I would personally follow the advice that you were given. I'm not going to sit here and say, don't do it because nobody's used it. I will say, and I've told, already told them, that you should follow the advice of your uh, accountant or people that manage your money because they know your patterns better than I do. And if you have all this money and they say, you know what, there's this breach, there's a potential of a problem, let's just take care of it. They know you better than I do. So that's what I would do. But if I were on DoorDash, I wouldn't necessarily worry about it. I would be watching my credit card, which is what I do anyway. I watch it for signs of trouble because I've done online shopping in various places and anytime you do shopping whether it's online or off you really should be watching your statements because you never know where the next breach is gonna be which brings me back to target most of that breach or pretty much all of it was offline Somebody walked into a Target store, swiped their card for purchases, 
they needed at the physical store and your card was owned. You know? And as I've thought about it, why the hell was OPM storing all of this information on us in some database online? I really don't know their business very well. And I don't even know who they are, except that I was part of that breach. And we knew that 21 million people were affected. And how about the biggest one of them all? You might as well just call the whole United States affected by that stupid company that can't even get their security right. And I'm talking about Equifax, and people have called them Equifish because they are fishing for information. They get it through third parties and you have no idea. You have no idea. That's all of these credit agencies. All four of them. Fish for your information. Here, we'll pay you for that. Er, really? I mean, DoorDash, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry they got hacked. I really am. It couldn't happen to a, a company that probably didn't intend for that to happen, but I think they've done everything right based on that. And an investigation does take time. And so, for them to notify us after the fact, alright, a year later, you know... Investigations take time. But, based on what I've read, I don't find that there were a big problem. There was a mistake. I'm, I'm sure they fixed it. And that is where we are. Uh, they fixed it, and anyone after February who signed up isn't affected by it. But... You know? Just some thoughts. Alright, coming up next. One of our listeners, Joseph, leaves some general comments for us that I didn't get a chance to put in the last podcast, so I'm going to let him say a few words, and then we will continue with more of the podcast in just a moment. I am Jared Reimer, and this is Podcast 325. Greetings, this is Joseph speaking, aka Harmonica Player, and I'd like to say to you, Jared, that the podcasts you're doing are awesome and interesting, and I can keep up the good work. Stop.
Joseph for your comments. I hope that you will continue to listen to the podcast and please comment on anything. I like the general comment and we're happy to play it, but please feel free to comment on anything or ask questions or anything that you'd like. This month is National Cyber Security Awareness Month, otherwise known as NCSAM. And this week, the blog post seems to be covering password managers. And I also put up a blog post in regards to telephone calls and caller ID. Let's start with password managers. I am also uh, bringing this up on Livewire separately on board 295. And I will mention things that might be of interest. And so, what is a password manager? Well, it is a program for the most part. And what it does is it allows you to go ahead and have passwords, notes, and other information in a secure vault. A vault is pretty much like a directory. And especially with LastPass, each of the sites you save has its own directory or category like shopping, arts and entertainment, and so forth. Now, it's important for us to make our own decisions. And as Michael in Indiana mentioned on the board, his method works for him. It may not be the best method, and there's no right or wrong method. But if you're not doing a whole lot, and you're very, very cautious, and you know what you're looking for, then maybe your method is going to work for you. I'm not going to sit here and say, Michael, or anyone who doesn't use a password manager, you're wrong. This is not what you're supposed to do. Even I use some passwords in various places, mainly because the account doesn't matter to me. You know, I was checking out this little service that was um, mentioned to me uh, through Twitter, and uh, it pays you for various tasks. I don't much care about the account. If it goes away or somebody hacks it, you know, they can cash it out and they can do whatever they want with it because you know you're not paying for anything, and I you know, already verified my PayPal account, but if they want to put their own and change stuff, well, you know what? Have at it, because the account doesn't mean anything. Uh, if it got suspended for whatever reason, you know, it's a free service, and uh, that's that. Although... I'm not telling people that they should go hack that particular account, but what I'm saying is maybe some accounts don't mean much. You want to have it around or you're checking out a service, 
you know, there's really no financial gain. Yeah, the site itself may pay you, and that's all well and good, but you know, um, you want to be secure, but making it to numbers and letters and punctuation isn't all that big of a deal because, you know, while you can have a check sent or, you know, put in your bank account, PayPal basically handles everything and that's all well and good. So I would also say take it based on an account by account basis and not all of my accounts are in LastPass. I got quite a number of them in LastPass. Even some of them I don't use anymore. But on the ones that I really care about, I've got strong, unique passwords. And that's why a password manager is of importance. Now let's talk about phone calls. I recently got a phone call from my own cell phone number. And I'm like, why is my own phone number calling me? So yesterday when it called me, I decided to take a listen. And for those of us who are blind, we know what these uh, text-to-speech things sound like. And that's exactly what it sounded like. The call claimed it was Anna from Microsoft. And I was to speak to somebody because my IP was about to get terminated and they were trying to get a hold of me. Well, my internet is still here. So, what did you really want? Information to make me think that something was going on that maybe is or is not? I'm not going to normally answer calls from my own phone number. Uh, I might have answered calls from numbers before, but I don't have a whole directory of people in my address book, you know, that might change their numbers or have a bank of numbers. You know, if I deal with a business, I have to be flexible and answer the phone because they're not going to always call from their main number. And so... That is where we are at this point. Uh, you know, uh, if you're uncertain about a number, see if it'll leave a message. That's what I did. But I pretty much got tired of this thing calling. And it kept calling from my own number. And I'm like, okay, just to shut it up, I'm going to, you know, do this. And this thing you know, called me like twice. Uh, once when I was coming up from a train and uh, it, maybe over the weekend or, you know, whatever it is. So my tip to you for National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, you know, if you must answer the phone, listen carefully to what it says. If it says it's from a company and something's up and you know something's right and everything's good, then my tip is 
don't press that option to connect with somebody just leave it alone I said one of these days I was gonna mess with some people one of these days uh, I would connect with one of these things and I would see what they really had to say but I've changed my mind it's really not worth it especially since they can call any time day or night and for whatever reason they want uh, this is just some tips and for password managers there are many out there you don't need to use password managers if you don't feel you must especially if you only have a few accounts but I would make sure that your password is unique in some way for your memorization uh, one password is out there LastPass, trend micros password manager there are a bunch out there and you want to be choosing something that works for you or choosing a method for password management that works for you I'm only gonna educate what's being recommended and say why I either think that's a good idea but then I could see the other side too where you know what some people this is just not worth it it's too hard and so I'm presenting both sides and letting people choose what they want based on what they hear if they want to be more secure and they're like you know what I've been hacked this is what's gone on that's what's gone on I want to try it out great but if there hasn't been a problem and you don't feel it's necessary then hey more power to you but know that the breach is not going away anytime soon in fact we've had more breaches this year alone with than within the last five years alone and that scares me just a little bit I don't know if I've read this article but trend micros main blog has an article titled identity theft starts with you I don't know if I've read it but uh, you know maybe it's time to bring out the old RSS reader and see what it has to pick up and see what else we can talk about because all of this will make you be as secure as possible I'll continue with more of the podcast in just a moment back to the podcast everybody I've been reading and I read two chapters today October 2nd on a book that I recently blogged about Cybersecurity is everybody's business by Scott and Craig Schober I want to talk about chapter 3 it was really well written and it talked a little bit about social engineering and it was quite interesting how a normal conversation 
turns into revealing something that you really want to keep secret. There was a skit that Scott talks about in his book where information is given and a woman who had no idea that she was being probed for her password gave answers innocently. What's your dog's name? What year did you graduate high school? Because the interviewer asked, you know, what is your, your password consist of? Oh, my dog's name in the year I graduated high school. I don't remember the dog's name and that's not important. But let's say your dog's name is Russell. And let's say you graduated high school in 1999. And you answered the interviewer that way. You were trying to keep cool, not give away your password, not answer it right away. Now, this was on a program on TV that was how secure is your password and while I talked about password managers in the last segment of the podcast when I was reading this because I figured you know it's been a long day I did talk to somebody over the phone I've been doing some podcasting and I decided I would do some reading, but I've also been in a conversation with an independent artist who we've featured the music of on my independent artist show. So I've been doing quite a bit of work today, and I also did some other work as well. So it's not all podcast and phone related today, October 2nd. But when I heard this, I got to thinking, you know, there's lots of things we could learn. And Scott talked about how he met Frank Abagnale and referenced the book, Catch Me If You Can. And of course, we all know that If you've read the book, he talks about how he was able to simulate a check from Pan Am Airways and he was able to fly for free even though he never touched the controls. He wouldn't touch the controls because he wasn't schooled. But yet he was able, through the same tactics that may be still used today, in certain circumstances, to say, here's my uniform, here's who I am, 
Once you learn the language, you can speak the language like anybody else and nobody knows any difference. He would listen acutely to what the nurses and doctors said and he'd observe. And that's what social engineering and fishing and all these things are. Scott talked about meeting Frank because Scott was also there in Virginia at the time doing his own thing speaking at a gathering or observing others. I'm not going to give the book away and it doesn't matter here but what I could tell you is that it was very interesting because all of us in one way or another have been tricked in one way or another. I talked about in the last segment how my own phone number called me on my cell phone and I initially didn't answer it but because it continued to call I decided to check it out but of course I never followed through with it because I knew what to expect. I've read about it. I also know that I never got a call from Microsoft about any activities that I've done and why would they start now and how did they get my phone number and why if Microsoft were to call me if I had decided that I needed help why would they call me using my own phone number and people get tricked into these things and you start to think why why do people get tricked into these things? Why do people, for example, see their own phone number and talk to an agent probably hell of across the country because something says that their IP is going to be shut off because of some illegal activity and you need to speak to an agent about it. No. You need to either call the police to find out what's going on and tell them about the potential call or you use your gut instinct. You know, is my IP going to get shut off? Probably not. And in today's world, we can't rule out email of the same nature sent to our own email addresses. And this is really the point of this whole thing. I respect what the cybersecurity experts have to say. And I've seen a lot of what the cybersecurity experts are talking about in these books that interest me. 
They interest me because I've been interested in the subjects for a long time. I'm also interested in the assistive technology fields, aspect of screen readers, and I'm also interested in web design. I would like to try and learn other types of code, but I haven't been able to wrap my hand around it to do it where I can understand it and try things on my own, even though I've looked at other people's codes. I just don't understand it. But, you know, a simple conversation can turn into a big problem if an actor wanted to do it. And during National Cyber Security Awareness, Awareness Month, we're going to talk about such things when we see good posts. And I'm sure we are going to see good posts. But I also know we're going to see more hacks and more breaches. And the problem we've got is that we are going too fast. There's a problem. We want to fix it. We don't think about, oh, does this happen? Oh, why are they asking me for my password? You know, a company did ask me for my password once. I said, why do you need my password if you work for the company? They said, well, this is the only way we have access to it. And I'm like, well, okay, but... And I gave them the password at the time. And it was a legitimate company. Nothing ever happened. And I was thankful for that, but... I was even on the phone with another company getting it squared away. They never asked me for my password. And I know each company is going to be different, but the fact that I asked saved me a lot of trouble. And most companies today don't ask you for your password. You know, I run a web hosting business and I have gone ahead and had it set up to where I have access to those accounts. And it's done through the same control panel. I log in using the web host manager URL, log in with my own credentials on my own website, and there's a combo box of every single account. And I think that's awesome. Because I don't really want everybody's password. You know, I might reiterate again that several websites here had a hacking thing going on. It might have been brute forced. And the customer in place had a very, very strong password. 
I didn't want the password. I could log in and take a look around without having access to that. And I think that's what we really need companies to do. Build systems to make sure that we do not give out any passwords. The password isn't going away. And Steve Gibson talked about, in his podcast, Squirrel. It's actually out and about, and it has been released to the public now. And on October 3rd, he went to LastPass's event in Boston to present on cybersecurity and passwords and all sorts of stuff. They were going to have a bit of a party afterward and, and have, a, have, a, have an event. And I'm sure that we will eventually have audio from it or it'll be talked about on the next available Security Now, which will resume its scheduled uh, Tuesday airings on October 8th. And I talk about all this because when I read this chapter, I'm like, uh-huh. You know, Frank talked about he was in his 70s now and still working. And here's Scott Schober, another security expert who's got a channel on YouTube and puts out videos where he's featured on the news. And they're all great things to listen to. And when I heard he met with Kevin Mitnick, who wrote a couple of books, and I may have talked about it on this podcast, you know, they're all working together to keep us all safe in one way, shape, or form. And that's awesome. And I want all of them to work together to keep us as safe as humanly possible and dole out the information that we should hear and we should understand. And of course, it's up to us to choose what we want to do with it. I'm sure trying the best I can. I've not had a data breach, but yet my data has been uh, taken potentially and that's a problem and my goal is to dole out this good information and I'll even have my own thoughts on it and who knows it could turn into a discussion and I think discussion is good especially with people who are not too familiar with all of this. You know, I got a link from one of my followers who's blind, and it was one of these account.youtube.com redirect things, and I took a look at this thing, and it wanted actually access to Twitter, and one of the permissions it was looking for is uh, read and delete tweets. Read and delete 
direct messages. I'm like, really? And he said, well, I sent, I, I looked at it because I want to, you know, generate new followers. And I said, this link is, uh, is it goes through this service, and most legitimate things don't do that. And he's like, well, I'm blind. I'm like, yeah, so am I. And I've been doing this a long time. I've been in this security field a very long time. And, uh, you know, teaching is a good thing. And talking about the books that interest me, like this chapter, interests me. Because now we know that the cybersecurity experts like Scott and Kevin and Frank are talking and sharing information to help everybody for the better. Honestly, that's a good thing. And I'm going to continue to read Scott's book. And who knows, maybe I'll either do an article for Vocal or I'll do an article for my tech blog. Haven't quite figured that out yet, but I'm only on chapter four. Your thoughts are welcome. This is Tech 325. very very hard on assignment 15 and it's still puzzling me and it's the same two errors that I have been grappling with for a long time and errors meaning numbers 20 and 29 and I have gone through this and I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking for I'm not upset because I understand what we're trying to do here. We're trying to understand what exactly is going on here with these interesting looking sentences. And of course, I'm not going to give the answers away because honestly, I don't believe that is how we should work. But let's take a look at number 20. I'm being told that there's a terminator error, but honestly, I've looked very carefully to determine what terminator I could be missing. And according to both copies, I see a passage indicator at the beginning of the passage where it says it is our rule and it actually ends at Kirby and company and both of these are bold marks I am not seeing any other terminators 
And I'm also being told that there should be more text on one line. I don't believe it's on this particular one, but one of the lines um, in this course, I'm being told there are there should be more text. Now, on number 29, I'm also being told that there is a terminator and as I'm looking at number 29 even closer I find that in this very interesting passage that we have as a passage paragraph that there is one terminator that is in the middle of this sentence that says this alive I'll then it terminates then it says never then set foot on a boat again restarts this passage and then the passage continues bad storm again God has never heard three bums pray as loud as we did. Of course, then the ellipsis and the rest of the passage. Then it says, two men never made, period, and terminator. So uh, I, I believe that I'll needs that terminator and it is definitely my doing and I definitely am not saying that I am wrong and I'm not even saying that the instructor is wrong but this is the only thing that I could figure out on that one but I'm being told that on uh, number 20, I'm missing a terminator. And I just am not understanding this very well. I've actually gone through it. Let's talk about the report now in detail let's look up there we go I'm gonna open this and tell you exactly what it says and I'm curious to find out what I'm missing because I've double-checked this um, Let's see. In sentence 20, there are two type form indicator errors. Now, I don't find any other type form errors. It says, this is our rule that null alteration can be made to one of our products by the retailer. Our warranty is in effect only if the product 
is in its original condition, that is, as it left Kirby and Company. And this is all bolded. So, unless they are looking for an italics mark, which I don't even see in either of these, I'm confused. And I'm not about to say that uh, they are wrong, but I don't see any other passage here. I only see one passage and one type form. Now I think that in the RTF, I did see an italics mark. And that's why I'm wondering if that's what they want. But I don't see it here in the Braille. And I'm reading the Braille live. So I want to find out what it is. So I'm also being told there are two Typeform Terminator errors. But I, again, I don't know what that's supposed to mean because I'm reading it right now and I don't find them. Line 19, more text should be placed on this line. Okay, that makes sense. Contains the wrong string of text. I don't, I mean, honestly, I'm not finding any of these because there is no other indicators here. And on 29, there's a type form terminator error. And the only thing that I can think of is that it's the I, uh, the aisle. That is probably what I'm thinking there. So I think that's probably what they're looking for. And that means there's a type form indicator error. So I think I know what's going on there. So I think I understand about 29. I honestly think I do. Uh, I honestly think I understand that. I think I found that one, but I cannot find any other type forms in number 20. So hopefully I can get some explanation on it. I think I found that and I am, I am knocking myself here. I should be really understanding this and I think I might have overlooked it. Um, and there, and he's leaving me suggestions, you know, proof it three times. I've gotten like four braille copies of this. So lots of proofreading has been done on this. In fact, the harder 
the lessons, um, the harder they're going to be. So, um, maybe I'll get a phone call and we'll we'll talk. Uh, I, I'm sure it's it's either an oversight that I've seen. I, I know on 29 I found it. But on 20, I can't seem to understand what it is. And I think it's me. Uh, first, I thought it was the instructor per se, because I was going based on reading rules and what to do and not do. And I figured, okay, this is what I think it's supposed to be. But now that I understand what it is, I don't find anything on 20 and I think I found it on 29. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens as we progress on. Alright folks, that's going to complete the program as much as I am bringing it together for you. You can contact me if you're on Livewire. My box is 2276. You've listened to this program via bulletin board 974. If you want your comments aired, please feel free to let me know so that I can put them in so that you can have your voice heard. Comment on any section that interests you. If you are not listening to this on Livewire, you can still contact me. You can email or iMessage tech, that's T-E-C-H at M-E-N-V-I dot O-R-G. If you would like to submit audio for airplay or you would like to leave an audio message, send it as an attachment to the email address or if you have WhatsApp, use that and send it to the phone number 804-442-6975. If you want your messages aired, however, you will have to send them as an audio file attached to an email. Or you can also use the service WeTransfer and send it to the email address tech, T-E-C-H at M-E-N-V-I dot O-R-G. If you're the text messaging type, you can send an SMS or a WhatsApp message using the phone number 804-442-6975. One thing I did forget to mention that if you are on Livewire and you wish to discuss the podcasts in an open forum or anything tech related, you can do so by going over to board 295 and start a discussion, whether it's podcast-related or not. I seem to be the only technology-active board with all things tech. There was a computer board. There's also an Alexa board and others, but if you want everything tech, I'm sure that we can accommodate you. We talk about security. We're going through National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I'll bring up stuff that I think folks would be interested in, at least phone-wise. You're welcome to bring up anything you want and a whole lot more. 
Coming up on another edition of the podcast, we're going to take a look at the latest Dice World. They have updated and done some major redesigning. I'm actually liking it, but comments indicate that they do not like it. I know that I'm due a new phone, and at some point I'll get one, but I'm still using my 5S for now, and while it suffers with its battery, I'm doing the best that I can with it, and uh, hopefully that'll be relieved very soon. So, what else do you guys want us to talk about? Well, you're the voice. Let's work together to bring good content. It's not all about what I want to cover. I want to hear from you, and you can even send your demos as well. Send demonstrations through wetransfer.com and send them to the email address tech. That's T-E-C-H at M-E-N-V-I dot O-R-G. If it is more or approaching 20 megs. Thanks so much for listening. And if I forgot anything, I'm sure I'll be told. Until next podcast, I am Jared Reimer saying thanks so much for listening. And make it a great day.